Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, it is a new year. We're in that weird, that weird phase, aren't we? Where it's sort of, is it just me or Christmas felt like it was just yesterday? It was just yesterday, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, in that, we're in that nice vibe and season where um, often we're thinking about resolutions, right? Um, who, who's here thinking about their New Year's resolutions? Three, three of you? Oh, one. <laughs> Great. Probably because some of you have already worked it out that, you know, resolutions um, are tricky things. You don't tend to stick to them. Kristen and I discovered that this week. We went for our first date night this week. You can see who's got romance on his resolution list. <laughs> it's January, so we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. Anyway, um, so we were, we were going through, we are thinking of all of our um, 2019 resolutions that we'd had this year, and, and the best news was I found all my 2018 resolutions on the iPhone. And, uh, and when I looked them up, I don't know if this happens to you, but when I looked them up, I found that um, just about most of the uh, 2018 resolutions I hadn't yet uh, completed, which was great news because I could just copy and paste into the 2019 box. What's a year? <laughs> but here's the thing that hit me. I don't know if you found it, but um, there were things on that list that I don't even want to be resolutions now. And that was only like a year ago. And so if, if, that's, if that's true of now that there are things that I, I thought were really important for 2018, a year ago, that I don't even want to do now, then what does that say about what we want now and what that will look like in a year's time? So in other words, how do we know that what we want now is what we really want? <laughs> and I think um, this is so important for us to understand at this time of year because uh, a... a, a study by Syracuse University found that only 8% of New Year's resolutions are ever followed through. Who would have thought 8%? And, and I, I think, I think uh, part, of the, part of the reason is that we, we don't do it the right way. And that's why I had to make up a whole new word for a whole new type of resolution that we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks. No, it's not a typo. <laughs> All of, all of the school teachers got their newsletters this morning and thought, oh my goodness, there's a whopping typo on the front of the cover. No, it's not. Our series is called Resolations. Resolations, it's, it's urban slang. It's a, it's a made-up word. It's, a, it's an epiphany that's so profound that it compels you to action. It's the combination of resolutions and revelation. See what we did there? You like that? See that? I think the key to... Resolutions this year, if you are going to do it, is you don't need a resolution, you need a resolation. You need, you need a revelation and, a, and, a, and an epiphany, particularly in this area. And let me ask you the question, because resolutions should be really easy for you this year. You've just got to work out what you want. <laughs> easy. Just work out what you want. And what you'll find, as some of you know, that as you get older, uh, what you want is more of a who? And when you're younger, what you want is more of a what, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> younger people want what? Um, older people want to be a who. And, and wants are a very tricky thing. In fact, there's such a tricky thing. Most of what we're going to talk about this morning is, is learning how to want what we really want. And they are, it's, a, it's a tricky thing for, for a couple of reasons. And I, I'm, going to, I'm going to throw a few at them to you this morning. But one of the reasons wants are so tricky is that we want our way, but in doing so, we lose our way. 
We often want our way, but then in doing so, we lose our way. We, in wanting our way, we, we get in the way of ourselves. We develop characters that stumble ourselves if that's not brought in check. You as parents know, if you've been blessed to be a parent, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your focus is helping your children not get what they think they really want. <laughs> because you know if they, if, and you've seen this with, it's never your children, by the way. <laughs> it's always other people's children that are allowed to just run amok and get whatever they want and you can see how wild they are and all of us know that it's common sense that if that kid continues to operate in such a bratty fashion getting their own way um, that that's fine and that's cute when they're five but what happens when they're 55? So we, we want to get our way but then we know that if we constantly get our way and no one comes into our life or nothing like the Bible or Jesus Christ to lead us out of wanting our own way into his way, if that doesn't come into our life, then we know that we're going to be pretty mucked up 55-year-olds. So we want our way, but we lose our way if we get it. Um, here's another one, and I think the two are linked. Uh, we, we want to do whatever we want to do, but as a result, we end up in places where we don't want to be. We want to do whatever we want to do, but we end up in places where ultimately then we don't want to be. Um, we, we find that in doing whatever we want to do, we find that there are some things that we can't do. Our options are limited. You know, it happens all the, all the time with, with our kids. You know, they, they say, Daddy, do I have to? You know, do I have to? Do I have to eat dinner? Do I have to clean my room? Thankfully, they haven't said, do we have to go to church? They love church. They love kids' church. My kids wake me up and say, Daddy, it's church day. I'm thinking, you don't think I know that? <laughs> Um, anyway, where were we? Um, Daddy, do we have to? You know, and I don't know if this is good or bad parenting or not, so you can blog it or Twitter it or grab me after the service. But, um, but, but you know, I, I say to them, look, you know what? Guess, guess what the good news, kids, is, is that there's going to be a time when you're about this high where, um, no, you don't have to. No, you don't have to eat your dinner. No, you don't have to eat salad leaves. <laughs> no, you don't have to clean up your room. Um, no, you... You know, you know you don't have to lie on the floor in order to get your own way. No, no. You, when you're a big person, you get to do whatever you want to do. Um, because you and I know that um, ultimately when you reach an age as an adult, no adult can make another adult do anything, right? In fact, um, all you can ever do as adults is keep them from doing things. And so... There is something within all of us that just wants to do whatever we want to do. But we find that if we do that, we're going to lead ourselves into areas of life. And maybe some of you have you've already stumbled that and you've learnt this experience the hard way. But you've found yourself in places where you've been kept from doing what you want to do as a result. Your options are limited. You've made bad choices. We want to do what we want to do. Here's another one. We, we, want, we want perpetual pleasure but the problem is, it ultimately makes us sick. It's addictive. <laughs> um, I call this halvification. That's another made-up word, by the way. It's not the Bible. It's not like back there in general. Halvification. You know the Middle Eastern dessert, halva? Anyone know, know that sugary dessert? Yeah. I, I discovered halva as a young kid at my auntie's place. And... Um, <laughs> And 
It was the sweetest thing I had ever tasted. And so Christmas is great as a kid when you discover things like that because all the parents are busy talking around the table and having their nibblies and everything. And there's just always a multitude of food. So you could just circle around the table. If you just do inconspicuous enough laps, you can just circle around the house and grab another lolly and another lolly and another piece of halva and another piece of halva. And so um, ultimately the good news was at the uh, end of all of that, you know, um, I got to see my halva twice. <laughs> Anyone here ever had any of those childhood moments where you've found a guilty pleasure and you've totally gone too far on it? <laughs> That's what pleasure does. We want pleasure all the time, but then it ultimately, it ultimately makes us sick. It's, it's true of sensuality. It's true of sex. It's true of money. And even if it's not just pleasure, you know, sometimes at the base level, some people go, I'm not into the pleasure, I'm I'm self-controlled. You know what? Sometimes, you know, the most insidious things in our lives with our wants is we just want to be comfortable. That's way scarier than pleasure. I, I just want to be comfortable. And it makes us sick. Um, here's the last one. Um, Wants are tricky because you want it now, but if you get it now, you can't have it later. <laughs> Haven't we always heard that throughout life? You know, I, I want ice cream now. I want ice cream, not like right now, probably for dessert tonight, but I, I, want, I want ice cream every day of the week, but I also want to be fit later. And somehow, in the laws of the universe, the Lord didn't make it that you can have your ice cream now and you can be fit later. <laughs> you know? Maybe in heaven. When we get there, we can have both. But until that point, often you will see time and time again the principle that if you want now, sometimes it won't lead to what you want later. And more importantly, in order to get what you want later, sometimes you have to restrict yourself on what you want now. If you want to play the piano like a beautiful classic pianist and and you want that piano just to sing, then you're going to have to do the boring things called scales. So we want it now, but then we ultimately can't get it later. Anyway, here, can, can you, see the, you see the thread through all of this? It's the thread that's through all of this is that, um, A, not only are wants tricky, that's why it's not easy to just do whatever you want this year or, or know what you want this year, um, but, but most importantly, our wanting often leads to more wanting. And James, here's the good news, we're getting to the Bible now. Uh, the good news that, that James, the brother of Jesus, and let me pause for a second here, if ever you want proof that Christianity is true, it's the fact that our Bible reading came from James, the brother of Jesus, leader of the Jerusalem church. Because last time I checked, if I was ever going to convince the world that I was its saviour, that I was the son of God, the hardest person to convince in the world would be my brother. Oh, he says he's the saviour. No, he's not. I had him in a headlock. He had me in a headlock. Headlocks are a sin, aren't they? And so we have this wonderful piece of literature that's from, from the brother of Jesus Christ, leader of the biggest church in Jerusalem, and it's stitched together into, into what we call the New Testament. And James gives us some amazing wisdom and an amazing key to unlock if you're part of that 92% that aren't going to do your resolutions this year, James gives you the reasons why you probably won't stick to your resolutions this year. And, and James, by the way, James is very different to the way that we think. In our resolutions, we think, I want this, I want to do that. You know, it's a new year. You know, I think um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diet. I'm going to lose a bit of weight. I'm going to take up Pilates and I might take up Christianity. 
You know, that's how a lot of people often think. I'm, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to, if, I, if I just take all this stuff up, then, you know, it's, um, you know, new year, new do, new you. You know, I, I just... <laughs> and James, James says, don't, don't, be, don't be silly. It's, it's, it's far more nuanced than that. James doesn't look outside. He looks inside. And that's where he says this. He says, what causes the fights and the quarrels amongst you, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Specifically, James is saying, what's the source? What's the reason why we can't be resolved on the outside? Um, What's causing all of this conflict? Um, What's the source of it all? And he says, you know what it is? It's what you want. It's what you want is the source of all of that. What you want is the source of of all of the fighting. You, You want things... You want to have them, you can't get them, you're frustrated by it, and it, it causes a fight with you internally, and then that spills out to you externally. And so James gives this wonderful wisdom here. What he's fundamentally saying here is that the key to successful resolutions is forget about the external resolutions and spend this month, at least in January, getting some internal resolution. I don't know about you, but you know, so many of us are fighting that little voice inside of our head. I heard one, one commentator call it the inner murmur of self-reproach. The, the constant voice inside of our head that says, I haven't done enough. I'm not enough. I need to be more. I need to do more. I, I need to think about all the external things that make me feel like I'm finally someone. And, 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 and James wonderfully is saying that's the thing that is, is driving all of this external stuff here, the fights and the quarrels, is because you're not resolved on the inside. And so I've got, a, I've got a surefire way how you will never have an argument again this year. You ready for this? This is for free. This is great. I, if you do this, I guarantee you're not going to have an argument again, and you can practice with me. And what you do is, if you're in the middle of an argument, okay, um, point your finger out like this. There we go. Oh, some of you have done this before. <laughs> okay. And you say, I know what the problem is. This is right in the middle of the argument. I know what the problem with that argument is. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting what I want. All of the fighting, all of the anxiety fundamentally comes down to I'm, I'm not getting it my way. So see how this is tricky? James says, if, you, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not getting it your way, it's, it's going to spill out. And then he, then, he, then he continues. He says, you desire, but you, not, you do not have. You, you want something. You covet it, but you cannot get your want. So you quarrel and fight. You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. And some of you are saying, hang on, that's a bit much. And it is. It's what we call hyperbole. It's a, he's, he's deliberately exaggerating. Um, but there's a truth to that. We've, we've seen that. We've seen people who've, who've uh, desire things, want things, pressure things, push, pride, and we've seen it kill marriages. We've seen people obsess over careers and progressions and promotions, and it ultimately kills their career. You see people um, constantly fighting and pressing and pushing, and it kills opportunity. It, it, it kills places in university. It certainly, we can see it, it, it kills political careers, haven't we? <laughs> kills countries if politicians don't get it right. And so the list goes on. Now, what James is saying to us is, hey, look, before you even start thinking about your resolutions, get yourself in check. If you don't get your wants in check, 
<laughs> then, then, then you have the potential, I have the potential, we have the potential to kill the things that are most important to us. It's dangerous stuff. Most of us, most of us don't really know what we want because we're actually distracted by desire. And hear this, because this is it. The, the word desire, because it says, you know, you quarrel over these, these evil desires this, which wage against your, your soul. You know, what, what he's saying there is, is not that, oh, you're, you're all bad people, we're all bad people. Um, what he's saying, that word for desire is epithumia. Um, thumia meaning desire, and epi, that, that um, Greek beginning of the word, that, uh, like um, epicenter. And so epi means uh, above, above or over. And so literally translated, it means it's, it's those over-desires which are warring against your soul. And so in, in other words, he says that the source of frustration of all of that external resolutions in your life is because you're seeing all these fights and quarrels and conflicts and stuff happening on the surface. But really what, they, what those desires really are and the things that you want is that they are just the epicenter, the surface level rumblings of a soul quake. You wonder why this stuff's not going right for you up here. It's because there are tectonic plates that are shifting deep within your soul. We're going to talk about this next week. There are, there are tectonic plates about the meaning of life and is there a God and why should we live the way that Jesus lives and I don't want to live the way that Jesus lives. And all of these things are, are pressuring against each other and when they slip, boom, it, it flows out. So... If it's epicenter, here's, here's where we're going this morning. We haven't even talked about how to do a resolution because here's, here's, here's where we're at. If, if these things are happening on the service and if, if wants are so tricky, then what if for the next few weeks we, we just spent the time trying to work out the wants beneath the wants? Does that make sense? What if you spent the next couple of weeks before you wrote anything down on paper just try to work out what it is you really want. And somebody's saying, well, how, how would I know that? And, well, Moira, James, you know, I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> James, James says exactly here. He says, uh, you, you, you don't know what you, you want because you don't ask. You didn't ask God. And some of you are going, of course I didn't ask God because last time I asked God for something, he didn't give it to me. But you don't ask because you, you, you don't ask God and then you do not receive because he says you ask with the wrong motives. And again in there, he's not saying that you're bad in doing that. He's just saying you ask bad. Just the way, like the way I said that sentence. I know the grammar's not right, but he's just saying you ask bad. You're asking bad. Yeah, you, what he's saying there is you, you are asking God for things the way that my four-year-old daughter um, asks for chocolate and thinks that that is going to solve all the problems in her life. <laughs> you and I, we know that we know if we've not already been there. Lord, if I could just have this, if you could just do that, if you could just fix this, if I could just have them, if they would just change like this, then I would be fine. And it's crazy because, guys, I, look, I've prayed those sorts of prayers. And if I look back at it in light of this sort of passage, that's no different from saying, God, can, can I have a chocolate? It really will fix my problems. <laughs> I, I think 
the best thing that God could do amongst us in the next couple of weeks, and this is something that you could do, why don't you ask him to help you to ask him properly? Lord, I want to ask you just to help me to ask well. Help me to ask well. And, and the great promise is that God sends his Holy Spirit to us in order to help us ask well. If we don't know what to ask for, it says Romans 8, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. If we come in with a hard attitude that says, Lord, I don't know where I'm going to go in 2019 and my life already feels like it's a mess and it's January and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. And you know what, though, in, in, in fairness and, and Lord, in faith, I'm going to believe that, that this year, no matter what the circumstances are, you are in control, you want the best for me. I may not understand it now, but Lord, I'm going to ask that you would give me what I would ask for if I knew what you knew at the time. How's that for a prayer? Lord, can you just give me what I would ask for if I knew what you knew at the time? You start praying that prayer, you're going to get prayers answered in a way that you have never seen before. So we look at the wants beneath the wants. And so here, and here's the great news for you this morning, because it's hardly the chirpiest passage to start in January, was it? <laughs> Someone's thinking, I want some inspiration, you know? <laughs> I don't want that. I think it's awesome what James has given us because, look, God wants so much more for you. He wants so much more for you than this endless cycle of wanting that happens. And there's a great opportunity for you now in January to break that cycle and to ask him for the right things and to think in January about the wants beneath the wants. God wants this for you. He doesn't want anything from you. God doesn't need anything. He wants this for you. And, and Jesus Christ, is, as we'll learn more next week, Jesus Christ comes into the world to lead us into, into what, what would we would ultimately want, the right things to want. And, and as Dallas Willard said, you know, the ultimate thing is to want what God ultimately wants. The ultimate thing is to be the sort of person who naturally wants what God wants. And you know this is apparent. You know, for your child, if, if, you, if, if you love them and you care for them and you know what's best for them, you want nothing more in the world for them to want what you want. And so what is that? Well, well lurking, lurking in the shadows of all of your wants and all this stuff, <laughs> lurking in the shadows of all, of all of these wants and desires is what you really value, what's important, what's, what's good, what's right. And Jesus Christ comes into the world to show us what that is and what is truly valuable. And so you ask, well, you know, well, how, do, how, do I, how do I know what I value? How do I know what is truly valuable? That's a good question. We're going to pick that up next week. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for each of us in the room this morning that Your Holy Spirit will work in our lives and in the spaces and the places that we will have available to us this week. Whether we're 15 or 55 or 85, um, that your Spirit would guide us and lead us into those places of our souls, take us, drill us down to those tectonic plates at the depths of our soul and the things um, that are of you that are pushing against us and the things in our own willfulness that are pushing back against you. And Lord, I would pray that it would be a time of resolution, of revelation from you as your, as your spirit brings these things up to the surface. 
maybe uh, for the first time. But most importantly for some of us, I pray that there would be courageous hearts in this place, Father. That we would have the, the courage and the boldness and the sense of safety, Father, that in your hands you will take us to places uh, where you will reveal to us in the safety and the knowledge of our acceptance by you that you will take us to the places that uh, are causing these disruptions, these, these epithumias, these surface-level quakes as a result of what is deep down beneath and so, Lord, for each and every one of us, I pray that as, as, as this series unfolds, that you would be amongst us, that you would be working amongst us, and that the change would be profound for us in this room, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.